A purple and gold good day to you and welcome into the JMU Sports Update Podcast presented by United Bank with absolutely free checking. I'm Kurt Dudley, Director of Broadcast Services and the all-sports voice for the Dukes. Thank you for listening to this Thursday, February 4th edition. The JMU Broadcast Services team of student reporters and I have a lot to cover in this edition as more teams are beginning competition and preseason predictions and honors are starting to emerge. This week, Carter Ensley begins taking a look at the football foes for the Dukes this spring, starting with the Phoenix of Elon. Noah Ziegler and Tucker Stunts team up once again to talk JMU basketball, and Allie Barefoot has a conversation with Eleanor Marcheski of JMU Women's Basketball. That's all coming your way today on the JMU Sports Update podcast. Let's get started with the news. Well, a name we may talk about quite often in the future when we speak of JMU swimming and diving is freshman Cameron Gring, as she set a savage natatorium record in her first collegiate event and factored in three first-place finishes as the women's swimming and diving Dukes opened up their season last Saturday at home with a 172-126 win over Marshall at Savage Natatorium. Green led off the victorious 400-yard medley relay to start the meet with a backstroke leg of 55.66 seconds, breaking the pool record of 55.80 seconds set not that long ago by Bonnie Zhang. Green went on to win the 200-yard backstroke and the 200-individual medley. Joining Green in the 400 medley relay were freshman Madison Cottrell, junior Morgan Whaley, and junior Jill Santiago. Santiago also led a 1-2-3 sweep of the 200 freestyle when Green took second and junior Sidney Whitfield placed third. Seniors Juliana Jones and Bailey Butler provided a 1-2 punch in the distance races as Jones won both the 1650 and the 500 freestyles with Butler finishing second in both races. Other winners for the Dukes were sophomore Elena Park in the 100 backstroke, senior Sarah Stem on the one-meter diving board with an NCAA Zone A qualifying score of 283.58, and freshman Lexi Lehman claimed the one-meter dive 280.12. The Dukes have since added an individual meet hosting the Richmond Spiders on March the 6th at Savage Natatorium. The time of that meet yet to be announced, but they have slid that in there. This weekend, the Dukes will send just a handful of student-athletes over to the Virginia Cavalier Invitational in Charlottesville. The JMU Cross Country Dukes began their season participating in the Colonial Athletic Association preview race held at UNC Wilmington, and that was on Friday. And the Dukes finished second among the four teams there, finishing on the Old Fort Golf Course Friday evening. The Dukes scored 54 points, slipping right in front of the College of Charleston, which finished with 55 and Elon dominated the race, boasting the first four finishers to secure first place with 17 points. JMU senior Brooke Mannion led the charge for the Dukes, finishing in the 5K race with a time of 1748.73. She was fifth out of the 29 runners. Fellow classmate Caitlin Swanson turned in an eighth-place finish in a time of 1754.98. Senior Kayla Connolly rounded out the top three finishers for the Dukes in 1759.11. That landed her 10th. And sophomore Jessica Cantrell, uh, she finished in 1849. JMU track and field at indoor season continued as the Dukes went back to Lexington for the second time the indoor season, this time participating in the BMI winter relays. And uh, multiple personal records and top three finishers were turned in. Uh, One week after setting their personal record in the pentathlon, sophomores Bethany Biggie and Aaron Babishak improved their scores, 
by respectively tallying a 3,246 and a 3,112. Biggie's total landed her in third. Babishak secured fifth out of seven competitors. Biggie set personal records in the 60-meter hurdles, the shot put, and the long jump. In the 60-meter, she went 9.72 seconds. The shot put, she hurled it 9.71 meters, and the long jump covering 4.97 meters. In the final event, Biggie placed first in the 800-meter race, a time of 229.79, which was six seconds faster than second place. Babishak set her personal record in the shot put, launching a distance of 8.64 meters. Junior Lauren Smith qualified for the finals in the 60-meter race after finishing second in her heat with a time of 8.12. Now to wrap up the day, on Friday, sophomore Shelby Stabe, uh, she matched her personal best in the triple jump with a leap of 11.20 meters, landing her in third among seven jumpers. Now Smith went on to play second in the 60-meter finals on Saturday at 8.06 seconds, so she did improve her time just a bit. And she took third in the 200 meters, 26.72 seconds, leading the Duke Saturday to close out the BMI relays. JMU begins the 2021 women's lacrosse season as one of the nation's top teams as it is ranked 10th by the Intercollegiate Women's Lacrosse Coaches Association. The Dukes, who are picked to win the South Division of the CAA, are the lone colonial team to be ranked to open the season. The conference is using divisional formats this year to reduce travel, and that, of course, with health, safety, and well-being of coaches and student-athletes in mind. Elon and William & Mary are the other South Division members, along with the Dukes. Hofstra is picked to win the North, followed by Towson, Drexel, and Delaware. Three JMU standouts have been named to the Inside Lacrosse Media Division I preseason All-America team, goalkeeper Molly Dockerty and defenders Emma Johnson and Rachel Mady ahead of the 2021 lacrosse season. All three Dukes also recognized as honorable mention preseason All-Americans as well as preseason All-CAA. The Dukes open February the 13th at number one, North Carolina. JMU men's soccer begins its season ranked 18th in the top drawer soccer's preseason poll. Although some teams played a fall 2020 season, this is the first ranking by top drawer soccer. JMU is the only CA team to start the season nationally ranked. The Dukes will be returning to competition coming off their second consecutive CA championship and NCAA tournament appearance. They finished last season, the last season they played, that is, in 2019, 11-7-3 with a 5-2-1 record in conference play. JMU softball coach Lauren Laporte has released the 2021 softball schedule, which includes 34 games, 20 of those taking place at Veterans Memorial Park, the home of the Dukes. The Dukes opened the 2021 season against Virginia at the UVA tournament February the 27th, followed by a late afternoon game against George Washington that same day. The team will travel to Lynchburg for the Liberty Tournament to take on Longwood and the tournament host March the 6th. The Dukes are home to open the schedule at home by hosting Stony Brook and Rhode Island at the JMU Tournament March the 12th through the 14th. Those are the highlights. The Dukes will host the CA Championships May the 12th through the 14th, and the tournament will have five teams and a double elimination, of course. And uh, you can find out the entire schedule by visiting jmusports.com. And former JMU softball standout Jalen Ford has been invited to train with the United States Olympic softball team as they prepare for 2021, the Tokyo Games. Uh, Though Ford will not be competing in the Olympics, she will be helping the team train for the Games in Dallas, Texas. The team's pitching staff includes Monica Abbott and Kat Osterman, who won the silver medal in 2008. The last year's softball was an Olympic sport.
Fort, uh, Ford, that is, was a three-time National Fast Pitch Coaches Association All-American selection while playing for the Dukes, the first in JMU program history. She was a first-round draft pick in 2016 by National Pro Fast Pitch and selected third overall by the Akron Racers. Softball returns to the Olympics, takes place July 21st to the 27th. The JMU baseball schedule also released this week, Marlon Eikenberry unveiling it. 33 games uh, featuring nine non-conference games mixed with 24 CAA games against the four other schools of the South Division. The Dukes open up their season on their home turf, welcoming Bowling Green for a weekend series March the 5th through the 7th. Then they welcome VMI to Harrisonburg March the 11th before traveling to Lexington for two games March the 13th and the 14th. That's how it all kicks off. And again, you can check out jmusports.com for the complete Diamond Duke schedule. All right, let's shift our focus now to basketball. We begin as Colby Johnson has a recap of the Jamie women's basketball past weekend as the Dukes took a trip to Charleston, South Carolina. The JMU women's basketball team headed south last weekend for a pair of road games at the College of Charleston. The Dukes rolled to win the first of these games on Saturday, 70-56. JMU jumped out to an early lead and never looked back as five Dukes scored in double figures and the team grabbed a season-high 55 rebounds. Junior forward Jalen Carradine led the way for the Dukes, going for 13 points and 12 rebounds, both career highs. Grad student Andy Off and sophomore Kiki Jefferson both added double-doubles, while sophomore Rain Tucker and freshman Jemiah Hazell scored double figures in the win. Things didn't go smoothly for the Dukes in the second game on Sunday, however, as they fell behind early after a 15-0 run by the Cougars. The Cougars were led by a strong performance from junior guard Tyler Collins, who had a game-high 27 points. The Dukes battled back in the second half, led by Jemiah Hazell, who led the team with 19 points. Down 63-54 with 2.59 remaining, the Dukes went on an 8-0 run to bring the deficit to one point, and after a Charleston bucket, JMU trailed 65-62 with 19 seconds left. Kiki Jefferson was fouled coming out of a timeout on a three-point attempt, but went just one for three from the line, sealing the 65-63 win for the Cougars. Jefferson did finish with 15 points, and the Dukes moved to 8-6 and six overall and 4-3 and three in conference following the weekend. They'll be in action again next Wednesday for a road matchup with Towson. I'm Colby Johnson. Thank you, Colby. Before we get to Noah and Tucker with more on JMU basketball this week, let's step aside for this word from our sponsor, United Bank. At United Bank, we wonder, why pay for things that you could get for free? Take our absolutely free checking. There's no minimum balance, no monthly fees, unlimited check writing, no per check fee, a free United Visa check card, free online banking and bill pay, plus free e-statements. And these are just some of the features. Yeah, we think it's pretty good too. So why would you pay when you could get absolutely free checking from United Bank at your service? $50 minimum deposit to open. Member FDIC, United Bank says, go Dukes! Welcome to the JMU Sports Update. I'm Noah Ziegler alongside Tucker Stunts. We've got a lot to talk to you this week. It, it's been a while since we've had a lot to talk about with JMU Sports, but Tucker, first let's talk about this massive JMU win over Elon. The men's basketball Dukes defeated the Phoenix 78-57. to uh, Tucker, what, what are your takeaways from this game? You mentioned a little bit about how you just thought it was an overall good win by the team, but tell me about what you saw in the Dukes win. Yeah, we were talking earlier, and this just seemed like a clean-cut, great team win from the JMU Dukes. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it live, but from the highlights I saw, it looked like the ball was being moved around very efficiently. Guys were getting to the net. Guys were taking shots, sometimes even with guys in their face, and they were knocking them down. The Dukes now moved to 10-5 and five overall, 5-1 five and one in the CAA. Elon's now 3-6 and six overall, 0-5 oh in the CAA. A fun little fact about that 5-1 and one CAA record, shout out to Mr. Kurt Dudley for this tidbit of information. 
the last time JMU was 5-1 and one in conference play was actually the 2010-11 season. Like I said, great win. And uh, what were some things you saw that you really liked from the guys tonight? Yeah, well, one thing that kind of stuck out to me when I checked the box score after the game, because I was able to watch a little bit of it live, and then I had to do other things because work and stuff. But I noticed that Jalen Hodge had 13 points, and it stuck out in my mind because following the win over Drexel, he came out a little bit shortly after, I'd say 10 minutes after the game ended, and he came out and he was shooting after the game. And this isn't the first time that he's been out there after the game, and I think that's a testament to the types of players that Coach Byington is bringing in, just the players that always are trying to get better. And for that to kind of come to fruition and for that to show in a CAA game for Hodge, it's huge. On top of that, Terrell Strickland with 15 points, leading the Dukes, going three of six from three-point range. Before the game against Drexel, he was not particularly efficient from beyond the arc, and then he hit the icing on the cake for JMU. And since then, he's been this electric player, 15 points, five rebounds. Matt Lewis added 14 points, four rebounds. He did hit a three this game, and he went seven of seven from the free throw line. The Dukes getting significantly better from the charity stripe is another huge thing that stuck out to me this game. But like you said, and I, I keep saying this, don't look now, but Jamie was two wins away from tied first place in the CAA. And for that to happen in Coach Byington's first year is a great sign for the program. Just going back to what I was saying earlier about this being a huge team game, we saw 32 points come off the bench. We've never really seen a JMU men's team that has had a really deep set of guys where everyone can make an impact. And I think we're finally starting to see that with this team. You know, it's one thing if you've got a team where you've got a couple guys who can go down and drop 20, 30 points, and they might get you some wins. But I think having a deep team like this, everyone's getting in on the scoring. You're starting to get into that shooting rhythm going into this later part of the season. I think this team looks really good right now. Yes, that's really evident in bench points as well. JMU has 32 bench points compared to Elon's eight. You look at a player like Zach Jacobs with 11, Michael Christmas with eight. And again, like I mentioned, Hodge and even Vado Morris when he has an off day going one of 10 from the field, other players are picking him up. And it feels like it's been a while since the overall just feeling about the men's basketball team is, wow, they can play, and who's to say that they – I mean, they can compete with anyone because the first-place team in the CAA is Northeastern, a team that JMU beat. So it'll be interesting to see what happens down the line. Yeah, and if you're interested in what's up next for the men's team, unfortunately it will not be the doubleheader against William & Mary that was scheduled for this weekend. Those games have been postponed due to COVID-19 protocols. So that leaves the next men's matchup for Tuesday, February 9th at UNC Wilmington for the first time this season. We expected a matchup from them earlier in the season. That game was postponed as well. We are going to talk about the women's basketball Dukes. Surprise two-game series against Elon. Now, this is the second time that they've played each other. Obviously, the first time the Phoenix and the Dukes split. The Dukes took the first game, 75-63, and then Elon took the second one, 77-55. Tucker, what are some things that you're thinking about heading into this doubleheader? So when I was doing research for this game, there was only a few things that really stuck out to me for this doubleheader, and that is going to be the youth impact coming into this weekend. I think we've seen a lot of youth and freshman impact come from not only the men's side, but especially the women's side. The Dukes right now, 8-6 and six overall, 4-3 and three in the CAA. Elon, 7-5 and five overall, 3-3 three and three in the CAA. And I'm thinking that these games are going to be pretty tight just due to how recently – these teams have played against each other, and I think it's really going to be two gritty games because these conference games are getting more and more important every single week. Going back to what I'm saying about young talent, we've seen a lot of this talent step up for the Dukes. JMU freshman Jemiah Hazel was named CAA Rookie of the Week 
that being the second time this season she has received this award from the league office. In last week's matchups, which included a total of four games, Jemai averaged 10.5 points per game, shooting 54.5% from deep. She also averaged 4.5 assists and two rebounds. So congratulations to her on that accolade. Elon is coming off, obviously, a big 22-point victory against a current CAA leader, the Blue Hens of Delaware. So they have some momentum coming into Harrisonburg. But we know how the Dukes like to play at home. Noah, what are you looking to see this weekend? Yeah, I'm looking to see just the continuing of their season because the only way they're going to be able to kind of establish some continuity is to keep playing. And the fact that they're able to get this series is good. And it gives them another chance to figure out how to win this year because – or win two games, I should say, this year. So far, they it's very obvious they do very. The Dukes do very well in the first game, and then in the second game, they're either they start they don't start well or they don't finish well. And this gives them another opportunity to figure out, okay, how can we get through this? How can we be able to kind of crack the code on how to win these weekend games and sweep them? Now, Elon's obviously a formidable team, but you you mentioned this just the the youth of JMU women's basketball. Peyton McDaniel averaging thirteen point one points per game. Jemiah Hazel, 10.4, and Rain Tucker, who's a sophomore, averaging 8.9 points per game, on top of the fact that Kiki Jefferson's doing her thing, averaging 15.2 points per game. It, it, you look at that, and you obviously, for the future of JMU women's basketball, you have to be excited. But, again, this upcoming weekend series, like you said, it's going to be a very physical battle. Elon's going to come in wanting to – they're going to want to say – they're going to think the same thing. How can we translate the game – the second game of the first time they played – and replicate that twice and steal a couple wins at the Atlantic Union Bank Center. It's going to be a great game, great coaching battle, as always, when you have someone like Sean O'Regan on the floor. But it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they come out, how they respond, and how they come out and how they finish the games and how they kind of dictate the tempo and how they carry out their game plan throughout all 40 minutes. Yeah, and on top of that, I think turnovers are going to have to be kept to a minimum in both games in order for the Dukes to be successful in back-to-back games. We've seen a lot of these doubleheaders get split. It would be great to take both. The Dukes currently have more turnovers than anyone else in the CAA. Now, not everyone has played 14 games like the Dukes, but I think it's important to note because turnovers lead to points, as we know. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys to JMU staying in this game, not turning the ball over, getting into their flow and doing what they do week in, week out. I think another big factor in these games is going to come on the rebounding front. The Dukes are currently one of the best in the CIA when it comes to offensive rebounding, averaging about 14 a game or so. Getting to the boards is going to be really important in case that kind of cold shooting comes back into effect. But obviously, we don't even want to have that on our minds. We know they're going to shoot lights out this weekend and get these home wins. Thank you for listening to another JMU Sports Update podcast with myself, Tucker Stunts, and Noah Ziegler. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much, gentlemen. One of the features that we provide in the pregame coverage of JMU men's and women's basketball on the JMU Globe Fiber Broadcast Network, the radio coverage, is a piece we call the front court feature. And what we do is we talk with folks, uh, student athletes or uh, coaches or those that are around the program, even alumni as well. And, and we talk about various topics. Some of it is to kind of get to know them a little bit. Some of it might be a good topic of discussion at the time. Uh, for example, recently I spoke with Cody Green, who is a strength and conditioning coach uh, for JMU men's and women's basketball. In fact, we may have that conversation on a future podcast. Just kind of touch on what the challenges are to keep the Dukes strong and in condition during this uh, really crazy time where you have stoppages and starting and 
Uh, well, you know how it all goes. Recently, uh, before last week's games at the College of Charleston, Allie Barefoot spoke with Eleanor Marcheski, a junior on the JMU women's basketball team, and a player that is starting to pick up a little bit more of a prominent role as a role player for the Dukes. Uh, she's averaging more than seven minutes per ball game. That, that may not sound like much, but she's also starting to morph into a very versatile player, can play multiple positions, and that is something that Coach Sean O'Regan and the coaching staff have been working on the last several years. So let's join Allie Barefoot in her conversation with Eleanor Marcheski. This took place before the Dukes went to the College of Charleston last weekend. Eleanor, you guys played Northeastern on Monday and Tuesday this week, but we're supposed to play them on Saturday and Sunday. So what's the adjustment like for you guys when you have to just pick up and play with such short notice? Um, yeah, it was kind of challenging, but we're always, like, super ready to play anyways. And I think Coach Hill does a great job of, like, having us ready. And, of course, this season is really, um, I would say, like, different from other seasons since like COVID and like people like getting like protocols and all that stuff because that's what happened with Northeastern and like the protocol and stuff they had to go back and then um they came back but um I think we stayed ready and then we practiced Saturday Sunday being ready for Monday Tuesday. Well awesome well speaking of adjustments you've lived in Harrisonburg for three years now but home for you is actually in Quebec Canada so how often do you get to go home and see your family, or how much do you talk to them on a daily basis? Yeah, I talk, I would say I talk to them, like, probably, like, actually every day, like, through text, but, like, phone, I would say once for, like, two, three days, but we stay in touch, like, a lot, and, I mean, with technology, it's super easy, and, like, FaceTime and stuff, but I would say it's hard to see them. It, I would probably say I would see them, like, uh, once, twice, like, three times on, like, on a good year per year. Oh, wow. I'm sure that can definitely get tough, but hopefully you've adjusted to it. Of course, with there being no true seniors in the team, you're kind of considered a, a veteran out there now. So how have you embraced a, a leadership role for those younger players? Um, I think I, I, I took it pretty well. Um, I mean, I feel like uh, our freshmen like coming in were like had pretty big roles too. So, and we, I feel like our junior class was um, pretty good in like uh, directing them and like what, like how like JMU like works and stuff and like Hosho and like our like um, mentality and stuff. So I think that we, we did a pretty good job of that. Well, I know Kayla Cooper Williams is still a coach on the team right now, but are there any seniors you still keep in touch with that graduated from last year? I would say I, um, not really. I mean, Coop, obviously, yes. Like, uh, I mean, she's there every single day, but I mean, come on, yeah, like being far and then Lexi being far. Like, she came back. I We saw her this this summer, but and then Jackie being literally in a whole other, like, continent. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard, but, but yeah. I'm sure it comes with some adversities. Uh, but speaking of that, you've scored in every game but two this season and averaging 1.6 rebounds per game, making an impact really quickly once you sub in. So how are you able to find that rhythm so quickly, whether it be on offense or defense, once you step into the game? Um, I think it has to, it has a lot to do with my mental part. And, I mean, yes, it's kind of, like, challenging because I just come and, like, for a couple of minutes. But, like, I am came with the mentality that I'm trying to make the most out of this. 
and acting practice like obviously helps a lot and that's what I'm trying to get that mentality in practice and just make the most out of it like every play because I know in games I'm going to be like getting a couple of minutes here and there and I want to make the most out of it. So, yeah. Well, it's definitely showing in a positive light because Coach O'Regan has com- complimented your work ethic and your willingness to play numerous times, especially pl- being able to play the two, three, or four position. So when you were a freshman did, and you came in playing, did you come in playing multiple spots or have you developed that versatility over the years? I definitely developed it over the year because I remember as a freshman, I was a four. So I kind of like learned the plays and all that stuff as a four. And then when it comes, it came sophomore year, I was more of a two, three. And then this year, I mean, I consider myself more, more as a three. But then when he needs me at the two or the four, I feel like I'm pretty versatile and I can like make the most out of it, like I, like I said earlier. And then um, I think with the three like years that I have in my luggage, like I was able to perform as well with the different plays and stuff because I was used to it. Well, what kind of preparation and drills do you have to work on in practice to be able to play any three positions at any time when it comes to playing in the game? Um, I mean, it, I think it has to, it has a lot to do with like focus and just being able to know the plays at like three different like positions. And I mean, it's not it's not like the easy it's not easy, but it comes with of course like the three year that I passed here, and we have like different plays that um like are not the same but like the same pattern kind of stuff and I think the two and the three are mostly similar and then the four are like um I make sure I know what I'm doing well you're certainly a great weapon at all three positions and something coach O'Regan has implemented in the games is subbing in you and four other players all at once which I've heard you're called the Power Rangers so talk to me about the roles you guys carry and why the name Power Rangers fits the group of five so well yeah, I think we um we did a pretty good job and uh, we did a pretty great job in practice against like the starters and we proved ourselves in practice and then coach o was trying to find a way to um like uh how can I say that? Like um make us like work harder cuz we were actually like doing a good thing and then he wanted to like prove it and stuff and then on the court cuz that's what we wanted to do we wanted to play. Um, so he like put us a little minutes, but, um, I don't know if he's still going to be doing it though, but yeah, I think that was a a great weapon. And where did the name Power Rangers come from? Um, he, uh, he actually like asked us and he he was like, do y'all want to like call, like be called a certain names? And then we were like, I mean, like, yes. And then he was, he like, uh, like proposed like the name Power Rangers. And it was like, yeah, like, I think that would be pretty good. And um, me not being from here, I actually had no idea of what it was at that time. <laughs> so then daughter girls filled me in, but now I know. <laughs> you had to educate yourself on the Power Rangers. I'm sure that's not something you thought you were going to learn in college, is it? Yeah, no. It's fine. Well, if I'm correct, you can speak fluent French, is that right? Yes. So knowing Coach Ian Casco, assistant coach Ian Casco, played in France and can speak that language, what's your relationship been like with him? And do you guys ever have conversations fluently and French when you guys talk? 
Yes, I think Cass was a like big like part of why I came to JMU too, because that's I feel like um he's kind of like a part of my home if that makes sense because he's bringing that French part and I like I was I'm not gonna lie I was really scared coming to freshman year and becoming like a, a whole like uh like city that's like everything is in English so I can't like um because for example when I was down in Canada I was going to that English school. And but like my friends were all French speaking, so we would learn at school all in English. But then out of school, we would still speak French. So I would be like kind of fine. But then here it's all English. Like I think Cass was a like really good help with that stuff, and he will help me with like words and sentence, like expression that I, I would not get. And I think we grew like our relationship like through that, obviously, and we're really close. Well, that's great to know that he's coaching you in basketball and also helping you out with some English. Well, he used to help you out with some English languages because it sounds fantastic now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was struggling a little bit when I came, but I'm doing pretty good now. Well, it sounds great. Well, that's all I have for you today, Eleanor. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me, and good luck this season. Thank you so much. Allie Barefoot along with Eleanor Marcheski of the Jamie Women's Basketball Dukes. Thank you very much, ladies. The chatter is starting to heat up a little bit for the college football season for the spring for those programs that did not play in the fall, and many of those, of course, across FCS, including the Dukes of James Madison. And they've already had their CA Media Day. That was last week. And we're starting to look ahead to some of those opponents the Dukes will face this year, including their three Colonial Athletic Association foes in the division, being Elon, William & Mary, and Richmond. The Dukes will play both those teams twice. And Carter Ensley is starting to take a look at the foes for the Dukes this spring. And he begins with the Phoenix of Elon. Here is Carter. Hi, I'm Carter Ensley, and welcome to the James Madison Football Foes Preview, where we'll be taking a look at each of JMU's CAA opponents for the 2021 spring season. In this episode, we're discussing the Elon Phoenix. Elon is a small private university in northern North Carolina, and they've been a part of the CAA for six years now. James Madison is scheduled to play Elon twice this year, once away on March 6th and once at home on April 10th. So let's start out with some of the series history between JMU and Elon. JMU last played Elon in September of 2019, and the Dukes won 45-10. However, the last time Elon and JMU played in Harrisonburg was October of 2018, and the Phoenix pulled off an upset win over the Dukes 27-24. Funny enough, Kurt Signetti was Elon's coach at the time, and he then left the program following the 2018 season and became the head coach at JMU. Aside from that one upset win in 2018, JMU has dominated the all-time series with Elon. Since Elon joined the CAA in 2014, JMU has beat them by 20 points or more every season, again with 2018 being the only exception. Next, we're going to go a bit more in-depth on what Elon's team for this year looks like and what we can expect from them. Elon is coming off of a 5-6 campaign in 2019 in which they failed to make the FCS playoffs after making it the previous two years. It was the first year for Elon's new head coach, Tony Trishiani, and he'll surely be looking to get his team a winning record in his second season. As part of the new four-team South Division in the CAA, Elon's revised schedule for this spring will consist of playing James Madison, Richmond, and William & Mary twice each. Coach Trishiani spoke about the exciting opportunities that arise from this new schedule. You know, it's a bit like being in the NFL and having some division rivals, you know, uh, where we get to play each other twice. So it's unique to college football. And, and I think it's great. I mean, we're, we're Elon, we're, we're looking for rivals. Play JMU twice and Richmond and William & Mary. Um, geographically, it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, we're excited about the schedule and excited to play those guys. 
If the Phoenix want to make it back to the FCS playoffs this year, they'll likely have to ramp up their production on the offensive side. Elon's offense ranked dead last in the CAA last season in terms of yards per game. It'll help that they bring back their starting quarterback from 2019, senior Davis Cheek, as well as their top rusher, junior running back Jalen Thomas. Thomas wasn't the only one getting rushing yards for the Phoenix last year, however, as they had four different players run the ball at least 70 times. Their running game still left much to be desired, as the Phoenix were second to last in the CAA in rushing yards per game. The introduction of freshman running back G. Witherspoon, as well as the return of Thomas, could help give them the spark they need. Now, I feel really good about that running back room. Jalen Thomas is an experienced running back in our league. He's a high-level CAA running back. You know, he can make you miss in a phone booth. Uh, he's that type of athlete. Uh, but I've been really pleased with G. Witherspoon who is a, a freshman. I've been really impressed with his ability to step on the gas, run behind his pads. And, you know, we've got two freshman running backs that have joined the room now that are, that are very explosive. They've got speed, they've got elusiveness. So, you know, last year it was running back by committee with, with Breland Cyphers and with Deshaun McNair uh, and, and Jalen. So uh, I feel like we've got several guys who can carry the football for us uh, at running back. In the passing game, Davis Cheek threw for over 2,100 yards last season, and he was tied for the fewest number of interceptions thrown in the conference with just six. One of his top targets, Cortez Weeks, is also back for his senior season. Weeks caught 43 balls in 2019 for five touchdowns, which were both the highest on the team. However, Cole Taylor was Elon's leading receiver last year in terms of total yards with 441, and Taylor will not be returning as 2019 was his senior season. Cheek is also going to need some help from his offensive line. Elon gave up 3.2 sacks per game in 2019, which was the most in the CAA. It's been a rebuilding process for their O-line, but Coach Trishiani seems optimistic about them going forward. That position group, it's been a rebuild. I'm pleased with the progress that we've made. Um, there's also some new faces in that group. Cooper Cromer is back. Cooper Cromer started for us against USF back in 2018 and, and had an injury and missed last season. So Cooper is back. And uh, we've, we signed a junior college offensive tackle, Cam Orr. Um, I've been impressed with his ability and his experience. And, and he brings some grit to that unit. And then the development inside, you know, really Mike Purcell, uh, Nick Saramelli. Those guys have played a good amount of snaps for us now. And they're another year bigger, stronger. And um, a, a younger freshman who we redshirted last year, but he played significant snaps in the, in the four games that he played is Jabril Williams, um, who's a, just a strong, tough, smart football player. Uh, and there's depth in that group. You know, we played three other, we played three freshmen last year in that group and got them four games of experience. Uh, so I'm, I'm pleased with their development as well. Jack Cutler and uh, Zane Gilbert. As for their defense, Elon will be faced with the tough task of replacing some of their big playmakers from 2019. Defensive back Greg Leakes Jr. led not just the team, but the entire conference with eight interceptions, and this is part of what gave the Phoenix the best turnover margin in the CAA. However, Leggs won't be back this year, so Elon will have to look elsewhere for creating turnovers. In addition, the Phoenix lose defensive end Marcus Willoughby, who led the team in sacks last year. But all that's not to say that it will be a total rebuild year for the defense. Seven of Elon's defensive starters returned, such as sophomore defensive back Trayvon Jones, senior linebacker Ty Sponseller, and their leading tackler from 2019, Cole Coleman. And that about does it for this episode. Once again, JMU plays Elon twice in this unusual spring schedule, March 6th and April 10th. Stay tuned for the next episode, where we'll be examining another one of JMU's upcoming opponents for this season. 
Thank you, Carter, and welcome to the JMU Sports Podcast. Do appreciate your contributions. Looking forward to learning more about William and Mary and Richmond in the weeks ahead. And who knows, we may get a chance to take a look at the other non-conference foes the Dukes will play this spring also. And a little programming note for you. Typically, as we are actually continuing the O'Neill's Grill Fan and Press Luncheons, we're doing them virtually this year, and generally during the college football and basketball season, we bring in those respective coaches. We take them to O'Neill's Grill in Harrisonburg, and we've been streaming that live on JMU Facebook Live. We're continuing to do that in a virtual format, however. We're not physically going to O'Neill's Grill, unfortunately, so I haven't had a cookie skillet in uh, well over a year now. Uh, But with all that uh, in mind, uh, we're planning on doing those very same things. We do those on Monday, I should say, every Monday, 1130, until about 1230 or so. And the week of the first football game, we'll have Coach Kurt Signetti joining us. Right now, we just have it limited to Coach O'Regan and Coach Byington. Uh, But we're also planning on some special days uh, to do a very similar setup with all the other spring sports seasons and the other fall sports seasons, all those teams that are having seasons this spring, in essence. So be on the lookout for those, won't you, as uh, we would like folks to watch. Of course, if you can't join us live on JMU Sports Facebook Live, it gets archived there as well. So if you have a favorite team or coach or want to look into a season, particularly with the coach's input, uh, you can look for those items to come up in the very near future. Well, that'll wrap it up today for this JMU Sports Update podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Kurt Dudley, and wishing you a great purple and gold day. The JMU Sports Podcast is presented by United Bank and is a production of JMU Athletics Broadcast Services. It's a part of JMU Athletics Communications. Have a great day and go Dukes.